For my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 258 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And, buddy, I don't know how we're going to cover it all this week. We've got so much Star Wars news to talk about. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> Pretty quiet week this week. But we do have some cool Mandalorian stuff to talk about. A woo-woo, woo-woo. Mm. I did read an article where Giancarlo Esposito is working on a video game that he's not telling anybody about. Yeah. Immediately my mind went to The Mandalorian, but I'm sure it's something else. So, that would be cool. I wondered if maybe his character, Moff Gideon, will make some sort of appearance in Squadrons. Ooh, that's cool. Or, what if he's in Halo Infinite? That would be awesome. Uh, because, I don't know. It's, it's so there, I, you know, immediately my mind goes to Star Wars because that's his most recent project and it's The Mandalorian and blah, blah, blah. So I wondered if maybe, yeah, like you said, he's he's got some sort of <clears throat> um, Star Wars game that he's been part of. And then so, you know, I think, well, maybe it's Squadrons and he's got like a little cameo in it. But from reading the interview, it actually made me feel like it's something a little more substantial, right? Right. And then, um, you know, I was thinking like, well, what's like a big game that's coming out this year that we still don't know much about? And that would be Halo Infinite. So I thought about that. But it could be a game that's just not announced at all. That we, you know, that's going to be some sort of surprise, you know, coming over the next few months. But yeah, that is that is pretty cool. I got to say, you want to talk about a fandom that has no chill with spoilers is the goddamn Halo fandom. Really? They need to chill their balls with the fucking Halo spoilers. Like, I guess some products from Halo Infinite leaked this week. Oh, no. And they're just openly talking about shit on Twitter. I'm like, guys, 
the fuck are you doing? We're talking about a game that's not even out for like another five months or something. Oh my Four God. or five months. Yeah, they got to drop a new console. Yeah. At the same time that that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so what have you been up to this week, buddy? Oh, I got a baby on the way and I've been trying to make the house baby ready. Nice. Nice. Is my dude Liam watching any more Godzilla? Oh, dude, we watch Godzilla every day. Have you shown him the cartoon? The No, I haven't. Well, there, his mom ordered him the Godzilla cartoon, but it's like, it's the one right after the American Godzilla. Oh, I've never seen that one. So, do you remember the Men in Black cartoon? Yes. Done by the same people. Oh, okay. Um, surprisingly enough, I recognize this guy's name. Uh, he did the Rescue Bots. And let me tell you, Rescue Bots is way better than this. Like, Godzilla is not that good. Like, it's American animation, if that makes any sense. Like, Yeah, well, it's also not based like off the strongest. Quality of... <laughs> it's also not based off the strongest source material no as far as i mean godzilla i remember influence. seeing the godzilla cartoon from the 70s you know on on cartoon network when i was growing up and they like the guy they would hang out in the ship and hit the button to call godzilla and there was like godzuki yeah man godzuki and no. godzuki. godzuki i remember godzilla and godzuki yeah oh man <laughs> so uh this week uh, so are you familiar with the steam summer sale? I assume it's a big sale at the steam store. It is indeed. You nailed it. Happens every Sunday or not Sunday, every summer. And they do like, uh, like little interactive elements in the steam store. Like you get special badges and you know, they have stuff that goes along with it, not just the sale. Um, but the sale popped up and all kinds of shit on my wish list went on sale, so I fired up the old gaming PC Friday night and started checking it out, <clears throat> and I got this game, dude, that I've been watching, so I watched this gaming channel on YouTube called Funhouse, and yeah. for a couple of years I've seen them play this game sort of off and on, and then one of their guys left and became a streamer, and he started streaming this game called My Summer Car, right? And watching him stream it gave me, like, a urge to try it out. Because it's fucking weird, right? Yeah. So let me set the story, or set the scene for you. It's 1995 in Finland. And you are a 17-year-old kid whose parents have left you alone for the summer. And it's essentially... I guess you could say an open world survival game. Yeah. So you walk out of your house and in your garage is an entire disassembled car. Oh my goodness. That you have to assemble piece by piece. And I don't mean like you take the engine and drag it over to the car and snap it in. I mean, you take all the individual pieces of the engine and assemble them into an engine, including tightening bolts and screws and shit, right? Oh, my God. <clears throat> and it's a survival game, so you got to eat, you got to drink, you got to pee, you got to take showers. 
you have most of the parts you need in your car or in your garage for your car. Some of them you have to order. Some of them you have to go to the store and buy. If you die in this game, it deletes your save and makes you start over. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, And it is fucking weird. It is a weird game. But over the weekend, I sat down with some handy YouTube tutorials. Because, by the way, in the game, there's not like a instruction manual you can look at or an assembly guide. So I don't even know, unless you're like a a mechanical savant or, you know, that is your, your profession as a mechanic. I don't know how you would know how to assemble this shit. So I had to look up a guide and finally got that bitch put together. Now I don't really know what to do. Like, it seems like the main car built. Yeah. And and rode around in it a little bit. Um, The other thing that makes me nervous is like, well, I'm going to get in a car crash and die and it's going to delete my save. Yeah. Yikes. But that's been well, my... Well, then the point is, like, if you, you wait for your parents to come back, do you survive long enough for your parents to come back, I guess? I guess. I, I don't know. I would assume, because it does keep track of sort of, like, the date and the time and stuff, and I assume eventually summer ends. So, you know. And there's plenty of places that I haven't sort of dicked around because you don't really have a reliable mode of transportation besides the car that you're trying to build. So for the first little while you can take a boat, drive around a lake that can get you to like the main town and stuff. Or you can borrow your uncle's van for like brief periods of time. Yeah. But, uh, Oh, and you got to do all the wiring and shit too. Like it's pretty intense And the graphics. I would say it's interesting. Cause like, your car looks pretty good, and the environments look all right, but the characters, like the people you talk to and stuff, look straight out of 1995, like Elder Scrolls oh Two, <laughs> like even worse than like Morrowind or something. Oh, wow. It's a weird <clears throat> sort of mix of graphics and stuff, and I, I think, I could be wrong, but I think it might be all by one guy. I think one dude might have done the whole game, but I could be wrong about that. That's pretty cool. It sounds odd and interesting. It is. It is. And it had me sucked in over the weekend. But now, like I said, I don't really know what to do after I built my car. So I'll probably uh, buckle down and finish up The Last of Us 2, which is the other thing I've been playing lately. I've seen a lot about that. I hear it's really good. Mm-hmm. I've been playing some GTA. Yeah, yeah, I've seen you on there playing that. Our buddy, uh, friend of the podcast, Aaron Boyd, just wrapped up. Um, well, he's in the epilogue of Red Dead 2. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I've been talking to him about that. I wonder what the uh, wonder what the time frame is for their next game. <clears throat> it's probably going to be a little while. Because... I mean, supposedly GTA 6 comes out with the next console, right? Not immediately, but no, like it's on not, the next. Yeah, I, that's the rumors, is that they're working on a GTA 6, but it won't be a launch title by any means. And you got to figure, Grand Theft Auto 5 came out in 2013, I believe. 13, and then Red Dead 2 was 2018, right? So yeah. that's five years between games. 
<clears throat> so it could be quite a while before their next game. Yeah. We'll see. It could be 2021 or 22. Yeah, at the earliest, I would think. If it came out in 2021, I'd be really surprised. Because that's quite the turnaround for them. Um, you know what's weird? And their, their business strategy is incredibly focused on, I think, microtransactions. Well, I don't know that it's focused on it, but the fucking microtransactions in Grand Theft, o- Grand Theft Auto Online have been hugely successful Huge. for them. Right. And that's, I'm like you said, I imagine a lot of that is part of the reason they can take so long in between games. Because not only do their games end up selling massively, they have such a long lifetime. Like... So a couple weeks ago, I guess it's been two or three weeks now, they did that whole PlayStation 5 reveal event where they showed Mm -hmm. off the console. And you know what it kicked off with? Grand Theft Auto 5, of all things. What? Yeah, that they're bringing Grand Theft Auto 5 to the PlayStation 5 at launch. Okay. I was like, all right. It's just weird. Like, you know, obviously, if you're someone who religiously plays Grand Theft Auto Online, that's good for you. That means you can continue to play that game on your shiny new console. But to kick off your whole event with that seemed a little weird. That is a little odd. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it just throws more fuel on the fire that they don't plan to release GTA 6 anytime soon. You know, if you yeah. really... Unless it just wasn't hard to port that. It, I can assume it's not. I imagine it's not too. I imagine that it hasn't. It's not the like hardest thing for them to. When you feel it, it feels more like a PC game. Like when I'm playing it on the Xbox, like it feels like a PC game more so than a console developed game. Yeah, I mean that's how it's going to be from now on. the The lines are so blurred. Like if it weren't for, uh, you know, PlayStation exclusives and Xbox exclusives, which are largely going to the PC now. I would just do PC. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of having to fuck with settings and compatibility issues and stuff. Although I will say that's a lot less of an issue nowadays than it was when I was a kid. Right. But <clears throat> the lines are so blurred now between PC and console that it's it's not as big of a divide as it used to be. Um, You know, especially with like Xbox Game Pass being on PC, and I even think like PlayStation's PlayStation Now service is on PC. Um, Right. But anyways, uh, we're Star Wars Podcast, and we have some places where you can find us, like Facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast, at Blue Harvest Pod on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Uh, you can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon where we post all kinds of bonus Star Wars related podcasts. Mostly. Some of them aren't even necessarily Star Wars related. Anyways, uh, we got shows like Oh No, It's Hall Solo, uh, Cooking with Will, Masters of Harvest Kasi, Podula Rasa, Jaws, Blue Harvest Adventures, Steve vs. the Prequels. Uh, Star Wars Year by Podcast, which we just put up the second part of 1981 this week. 
and I believe King Tom and I will be recording very soon for Masters of Harvest Cossie, so you guys can look forward to that one too. But anyways, it was the year after my parents graduated from high school. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that was the year my parents got married. Was nineteen eighty one? They got married two years before I was born, and I was born in eighty three. So my parents got married in eighty four, and I was born in eighty five. <laughs> well, looky there. Will was born in the dark times. And there was no Star Wars. Um, anyways, if you want to support us, you can check us out on patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And we appreciate all our patrons out there. You guys are the best. <coughs> all right. So, like I said, not a ton of stuff to talk about. Hence, talking about video games and my summer car and things like that. Godzuki. Um, oh, real quick. You know what comes out in a couple of weeks, Will? What's that? Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, really? Is that going to be on Xbox? No, that's a PlayStation exclusive. That's what I thought. Yep, I'm looking forward to that one. That one's going to be good. (laughs) Yeah, You're going to have to tell me all about it. Oh, I will. I'm going to have to finish up Last of Us before that, which shouldn't be an issue. Can you give me one second? Yeah, absolutely. You guys, Will had to take a break, and he's pretty sure he's the victim of some paranormal activity. I just heard something in the next room, and I went to check on it. I check on the fam. They're supposed to be in bed, and I I didn't see anything. Nothing nothing looked like it had happened. Mm-mm. There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? You know what happened is you're... He in- man He <laughs> man E-Man. <laughs> um, you know what's funny is you haven't realized it yet, but you're in like a lost style time paradox, and I'm dead. You're talking to the past me, the future me, which is a ghost, is wheeling around your house fucking with you while you record with past me. Slamming cabinets and opening drawers and yeah. slamming them. Which means your house is haunted by a crippled ghost. I knew that was going there. I knew that was going. As soon as you were ghost form, I was like, "Well, batter up for a crippled ghost." So, what do we got to talk about this week? Well, we got a little Mandalorian news to talk about. Oh, woo woo, woo woo. Uh, I've been waiting for something that's to sort of come come down on us. You know, Star Wars has such a uh, history of like a strong publishing initiative to back up their different projects. And, you know, since the, especially in like sort of the Disney era, you could always expect just a deluge of different type of books and stuff for The Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, Solo, The Rise of Skywalker, so on and so forth. And I figured that we would be getting something like that related to the Mandalorian after uh, Rise of Skywalker since they came out so close to each other. And it was really just a question of when. And we got some news on that this week. And it looks like it will... We're basically getting um, 
a full lineup of stuff leading into and during season two, which makes sense because that's pretty much the only Star Wars we're going to be, uh, you know, getting this year. Um, so they announced this week, uh, this is from StarWars.com, fans of The Mandalorian will soon go deeper into the world of the Disney Plus series than ever before. StarWars.com is thrilled to announce a new publishing program dedicated to The Mandalorian, featuring books and titles for fans of all ages. The series kicks off this fall with releases planned through the winter and spring. So it's going to be pretty spread out, it sounds like. Yeah. <clears throat> Check out the list below for a look at some of what's in store and get a sneak peek at the cover for The Art of the Mandalorian Season 1, Featuring a new illustration by Lucasfilm's Doug Chang. So first up, we've got the aforementioned The Art of the Mandalorian Season 1. I'm all about the art books. They're probably my favorite piece of, like, I don't know, informational material that we get related to the new Star Wars stuff. Right. So that's a day one purchase for me. Plus, with it being the Mandalorian and stuff. Um... And, you know, all that kick-ass concept art that ended the episodes, like, I'm sure that will be part of. Um, oh, that's neat. Yeah, and I, th I wonder if this will answer the question of whether that artwork at the end of the episodes was produced before or after the episodes, because some of it is so close to what we got. It, it almost seems like maybe they got the in-house Lucasfilm artist team to just conceptualize scenes that were already filmed if that makes sense hmm. um i they make it seem like, like i get the feeling that it was all done beforehand <laughs> well there's a few instances where you see like cara dune in some of the um the concept art and it looks doesn't look like gina carano and then there's other ones where it's so close to the actual scene um, it's hard to say, but I, I have a feeling we might find that out because they do a typically a pretty good job of sort of dating when each of the art pieces was produced in relation to these movies and stuff. Yeah. And I can't wait to see sort of the evolution of the design of the Mando. Um, cause you know, I imagine you, <laughs> you start with Boba Fett and then design, you know, tweak yeah, that go design. from there yeah so uh um, sounded like they started with the guy from the holiday special yeah the boba fett from the holiday special yeah yeah i wonder because when we got our first look at the mando and that that very first picture they released when they announced the series yeah um, i immediately drew a comparison to some concept art from that Star Wars 1313 game that was canceled. Uh, and when you go back and look at that art, now especially that the the show is is out, it's still pretty close to that artwork. So I wonder if they'll acknowledge that as an influence or if that was just happenstance. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> All right. And then we're going to have the Mandalorian original novel. That's a... Uh, that's a working title, obviously, <laughs> by Adam Christopher. That I'm all about. I would have to guess, and as far as I've seen, I haven't seen any information one way or the other. 
but that's going to probably be a prequel to the show. That seems like the easiest time to set a Mandalorian novel. Um, okay. You know, he, it could They've be, already established characters that they can work with in that era. Right. And I mean, you can still have it be about Din Djarin, you know, doing some sort of bounty or something, but, um, you know, be- obviously before he rescues Baby Yoda and shit. Um, that just, to me, makes the most sense for what they would do. Because I can't imagine that you would do like a novelization of the show. You know, like a yeah. a book detailing the events of the show. Yeah, that doesn't seem likely. Although I guess you could do that. I mean, they do it for the... The movie. I mean, you could serialize it. Um, and I don't necessarily that you would do something like set after the first season because I can't imagine that there's going to be a huge time jump between the events of the first and second season. So uh, my money's on prequel. You know, maybe even set. You know, less than a year before the beginning of the show, but <clears throat> a prequel of some sort. Yeah. All right, so I'm excited about that one, too. Here's another one. This one's going to be fucking cool. Uh, The Mandalorian, The Ultimate Visual Guide by Pablo Hildago. Love the visual guide. Sweet. Yeah, let me get down in the nitty-gritty and figure out, like, all the little different bits and pieces and backstory. Like, that is my shit. Um, Then we have The Mandalorian, Allies and Enemies, a level two reader by Brooke Vitale. Level two. What do you think that means? Like, uh, what's level two? Is it like a young adult or juvenile nature? Is that like what we're talking about? Yeah, or maybe like grade school level. Yeah. Um, The Mandalorian 8 by 8 storybook titled to be revealed uh, later by Brooke Vitale. And then The Mandalorian Junior Novelization by Joe Schreiber. Now that, they they call it a novelization, right? So I imagine that's exactly what it is. Is a novelization of the events of the the show. (coughs) Um, Okay. In addition, the Mandalorian-inspired comics are coming from Marvel and IDW Publishing and magazine novelty and coloring and activity titles are on the way from Titan. Studio Fun, Crayola, Thunder Day, Thunder Bay Press, Disney Publishing Worldwide, and Dreamativity. Younger bounty hunters can look forward to a little golden book and a screen comics retelling of season one. Well, that's awesome. So, yeah. Lots of Mandalorian stuff coming, which is fucking cool. I'm all about that. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, I would say out of those, the art of the Mandalorian, the visual dictionary, and the uh, the novel are what I'm most interested in. Although the comics will be of interest to me once we see what that's all about. I bet the novel provides some good information and detail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that we should expect anything earth-shattering out of it. You know, they're going to save all that stuff for the uh uh the show you know season two and three and whatnot but right yeah i'm certain it'll add some clarity and just some 
probably more character development and backstory. Um, and I guess we'll see. But yeah, that was sort of the big news um, from this week. Not a lot going on. We don't even have a episode of Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, to talk about. No, we do not, sadly. I wish. Wish they just kept that show going until season two started. They were like, uh, in episode 16 of Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, we're talking about catering. (laughs) Uh, Episode 17, we're talking about... Script rewrites. Sanitation. Set sanitation. (coughs) All right. But, uh, yeah, that does it for the news this week. Not a lot. And I, you know, with everything going on, I assume we're going to have some more weeks like this going forward. So uh, we'll try to find something to keep you guys entertained in some way. Something to talk about Star Wars related. We'll find it. We'll find it. Life finds a way. All right. Well, you want to hear from our uh, friends, our moisture farmer buddies? You know I do. Yeah. What? uh, Thankfully. They came through hardcore this week, so yeah. we still got plenty to talk about. So they really saved our ass out there farming that moisture. So let's hear a little song from our buddy Steve, and then hear from some other uh, other buddies, other buddies, other buddies. Can crash box cockhead running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow. All right, uh, our first utter buddy is our buddy King Tom. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey there, Haas and Will. It feels like it's been a quiet week or so for Star Wars, but the one thing we got this week, or the one major thing, the biggest, to me, the biggest thing, the biggest true news, let me just put it that way, the biggest true news we got this week, I'm, I'm excited about, and that's that uh, they're going to be doing some publishing books and features and guides and an art of book related to the Mandalorian. And that all is my sort of thing. And of of course, as Star Wars does, we really didn't get many details about anything. We know there's a novel. We know there's going to be, you know, young adult novels, but we don't know what they're going to be about. And I've been thinking about this and I want to know more about the story of Din Djarin and the other characters. But as far as the Mando story itself, am I wrong in saying that I'd rather see that... And don't, don't get me wrong, I won't complain if we get his story in the books. 
But I would rather see most of his story come from the show. And have some of these books be about, you know, Cara Dune or Grief or even The Client or some other people. I really want to know more about them. But at the same time, I don't, you know, will people buy them if they're not about The Mandalorian too Or Baby Yoda. But again, that's that those sort of big details, backgrounds, things like that, I think we're going to get mostly on the show. But yeah, the books are going to have to have some appearances too. I just want to know more about these other characters too because... I'm very interested in, in nearly all the characters that we got through the eight episodes of The Mandalorian. I will leave it to you to figure out who I couldn't give a rat's ass about. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for the great podcast, and I will talk with you later. <laughs> very um, kingly thing to say. He uh, he kind of nailed what we were talking about, but when he was like... So I see what he means. I, f- I think your best bet for like at least right now with the first wave of books and stuff related to the Mandalorian your best bet for success is to have that novel be about the Mandalorian you know yeah um probably your best bet but I do agree Din Djarin's story would be better played out over the Mandalorian on television. I totally agree too. And that's why I kind of wonder if this book is going to be, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but something a little more simple. Like it's going to be sort of a, a a story of him going after a difficult bounty or something, you know, not necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily something. Like I'd be cool if it was a story of his covert. Like yeah, from when he was young and stuff. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool too. But it's it's kind of one of those things that, like King Tom was talking about. I kind of feel like might be that would be better on film. Yeah, might be saved for the thing. Not to say you couldn't get some uh, context and and details about that within a book. Like I'm sure if we get a book where he's on, you know, some difficult bounty mission, and that's like the bulk of the story. He's going to be making a stop or two by the covert, and that opens up some, you know, opportunity for <clears throat> information there. I would love, whether it was a book or a comic or whatever, um, a story about Cara Dune's time in the Rebellion. To me, that's an interesting thing I would like to see explored in. Me too. That some, would be cool. Something that's probably not going to be as focused on in the show you know i'm sure there'll be references to it and things but i don't know that we'll see any like direct flashbacks to it or anything right so i would love to see some some of her time as a shock trooper in the rebellion i think that would be really cool it would be um oh saw guerrera uh (coughs) queel went different line different timelines queel would be cool to see um but i don't really know like we know he his family was sort of like indentured to the empire right in yeah. some form and he worked to Five pay off human their lifetimes, date. i think yeah or something like that he worked to pay off his debt so i don't really know what you could do with that there's something uh grief i think man you could do some cool shit with that character too Oh, yeah. And I would imagine he's going to be in the book. 
because he's who the Mando goes to for bounties and stuff. So he seems like a shoe in. Um, probably, like I said, I'm just operating under the assumption that I think it's going to be a prequel. Yeah. I don't really think we're going to get any baby Yoda in this one, at least, you know, the Twi'lek brother and sister heist. Oh, now see that that is perfect. I didn't even consider that a book his old heist crew. Yeah. A book set with um, him and his old crew. That is a just like the old days. Yeah. Now that is something I can get behind. That is something that would be fucking cool that I didn't consider. Now I really hope that's what they do. Damn. Good call, Will. Yeah, man. All right. And next up, we got an email from, or a voicemail, rather, from our buddy Jim. Hey, Halls and Will. I'm chilling at the beach. Uh, I'm on vacation with my family and social distancing from everybody else and uh, having a good time. But I wanted to ask you guys, silly, I, I've been thinking about silly crap with uh, Star Wars and almost uh, unfortunate stuff, but <clears throat> it's hard to complain about The Last Jedi because of how some people feel about it, how strongly they feel about it, but um, my point is, do you ever feel like J.J. had something in mind, uh, and he, like he's like, I want Finn to be Force-sensitive, Ray's gonna be, you know, a Skywalker or something, and um, Snoke is gonna be this ultimate evil, and blah, 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 and he had sort of an outline. Ryan Johnson wanted to make his own movie, and did. And then J.J. tried to, like, pick up the pieces and rush things and fit in everything and didn't quite complete it. And I just feel like it's a bit unfortunate. Do you guys, do you guys wish at all that Ryan just was able to make his own, like, trilogy, like, completely separate and J.J. did all three? Or you're so in love with uh, Last Jedi because I know that you say it's, uh, you know, your number two. Um... But I just wish that it was a bit more fluid or people like, you know, J.J. sort of left Ryan in a tough way. And J.J., you know, then Ryan did the same thing back to J.J. And, I mean, if even if there's not some sort of, like, blood feud or something, all that silly stuff that you see on YouTube, it's still, uh... Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah. All right. But, yeah, I should be relaxing instead of thinking of this stuff. But, all right, you guys, good night to green. Oh. <laughs> I started it over um, so this is the thing <clears throat> do I think ultimately the sequel trilogy could have been stronger had it had a singular creative voice guiding all three movies absolutely there's no doubt about that right um, but the thing is is as you read more and more about it and you know, you got to take everything sort of with a grain of salt because Lucasfilm is such sort of like a locked down company as far as like letting shit out and what they'll talk about and stuff that you never really know. But like in the art of the rise of Skywalker, they're talking about some early story meetings 
for the sequel trilogy, like pre The Force Awakens. And in that, they talk about basically how they're excited about the concept of Rey being the Skywalker of this trilogy, but not really being a Skywalker. So it seems to me that was sort of the earliest days of considering her to be a Skywalker in name, but not in blood relation, if that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> now, as far as the Snoke thing goes, I have no idea. I am sure, there's no doubt, there's no doubt to me that, you know, when J.J. was making episode seven, he had at least ideas of what he would do with the next movie. Right. But I don't think he necessarily committed anything to paper. And he and Ryan have both said that when Ryan got the job for eight, they talked a lot, you know, about. Right the passing of the torch and what Ryan, where Ryan was going to take the movie and everything. And JJ was under the assumption that he wasn't coming back. So that's the thing. That's the thing for me is that I think JJ went into all of this thinking I did my part. Mm -hmm. I'm not batting cleanup, right? You know, I'm not doing it. So that's some other guy, some other guys batting cleanup on the third one. And that's fine. JJ's going to do fine. And, and whoever's on the third one will take what he did and run with it. You know, like, I don't think he anticipated having to come back and do the third one. <clears throat> right. I, I obviously not. And I don't think it was a matter necessarily of feeling like he was rushed and had to clean shit up as it was. He was rushed because he was under a way bigger time crunch than he was with episode five or episode seven. Um, and that's just mathematically true. There's no denying that, that from the point he was brought on for episode nine versus the point he was brought on for episode seven, way less time to make that movie, you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> I think, you know, that's, that's a shame, but, you know, who knows where we would be? Well, I don't know. I was going to say, who knows where we would even be now if they delayed episode nine by a year? We would probably, who knows, honestly, who knows how fucking movie theater or movie releases are going to shake out. Like shit keeps getting delayed again and again, you know, when there hasn't been any new movies released in the theater. I mean, this may go on so long that it changes the nature of movie theaters. You know, you may not go back to what you know as a movie theater. Now, I could be totally wrong. It may go right back to it, but yeah, might not. It's going to be fascinating to see how that all shakes out. Maybe viewing rooms half the size that you make by appointment. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm confident that we'll we'll be back to the theater going experience that we know at some point. But how long can these companies? fucking exist without fucking going bankrupt because they're not making any money you know because quite clearly the product can still be made well i don't know that's saying wrong because a lot of those productions are shut down but they're still filming some stuff they're filming something right like uh, i mean <clears throat> i don't really know because like a couple of the marvel shows were shooting the ones that are coming out on disney plus yeah, And they had to shut down production and haven't started back up yet. We're just now starting to hear rumors of them starting back up in July and August and stuff. 
and you know i've read a few articles about how different productions and and like different governments are outlining steps you can take to um safely try to to resume production on movies and tv shows so yeah Right. We'll see. With the spike in cases, they may shut it all down again. Mm-hmm. They very well could. Um, but I do, I mean, I, I think it's hard to say otherwise that you wouldn't have had a more cohesive project, uh, like trilogy, right. if all if one person was sort of guiding all three. Whether that be one person writing all three, and then you have three different directors you know, kind of like the original trilogy or one person over all of it, writing and directing. Right. Um, kind of like the prequel trilogy. Um, either way, I think it would have been more cohesive. But. And I know there's a lot of surprise that I like The Last Jedi as much as I do. Like, And that has held up over time. I really do like The Last Jedi. I do like, too, man. It's I really like it. There's this... Um, this thing that I saw going around on Twitter today, it's like a little web app where um, they show you two Star Wars movie posters and you just tap on which one you like better. And it you just go and go and go. And then it basically generates your Star Wars movie rankings for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and consistently, Last Jedi, number two. Empire, Last Jedi, Return of the Jedi. Those are my three. Those are my top That's three. That's it, man. That's so right. Um. But, you know, <clears throat> I understand that there's plenty of people that didn't like it. I don't think it is as, um, well, I don't know. I hate to, to make, like, generalizations like that. But I do think yeah, it's going to so be divisive. It's gonna be one of those things that is uh, historically viewed better than it is in the moment, if that yeah. makes sense. Just like the fucking prequels. You know, I see nothing but prequel love nowadays, which is awesome because yeah. that's how I was when those movies were coming out and it did not feel like that's what was going on, you know? No. So I do feel like probably the sequel trilogy as a whole, after the dust has settled and people have had time to sort of come to terms with their feelings about it, will be viewed better in some ways than it is currently, just with the passage mm -hmm. of time. Because... Just like with the prequel trilogy, you're going to have kids who grew up with the sequel trilogy, whose Star Wars characters are Ray, Finn, Poe, etc., etc., right? Right. And who, when they get to the age to be fucking blowhards on social media, they're going to be like, well, I love the prequel trilogy. So, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <clears throat> All right. Let's move it on along. All right, we got an email from Amber. Hey, guys, please forgive me if you've already covered this. You can feel free to ignore this email if so. But it's recently been announced that San Diego Comic-Con will be moving online this year. So I was just wondering, do you guys think we'll possibly be getting any big Star Wars-related announcements? I know The Mandalorian thankfully finished filming Season 2 before everything shut down. So I'm hoping we might at least get a teaser trailer for that at some point. But with the things still so uncertain, I wonder if any movie or TV projects they have planned beyond that will be kept under wraps until the world returns to normal again. 
and they can do their big dramatic reveal to a crowded convention center. I'm sorry for rambling, but thank you so much for taking the time to read this and for the wonderful podcast you bring us every week. Please take care, and I hope you guys have a great 4th of July. Sincerely, Amber. That's so nice. Um, so, I don't know if we'll get anything from Comic-Con related to Star Wars. It is cool that they're doing a digital event. Um, I know, I was reading something yesterday that Disney does have some stuff they're doing with Comic-Con, but I don't... I definitely didn't see anything related to Star Wars. Uh, Not that that doesn't mean it'll be completely left out. Um, See, the thing that's weird about Comic-Con is it was only about a month or so separated from Celebration, Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. So you have to imagine if they had any big reveals planned for this year, that they were going to be at Celebration versus Comic-Con. Uh, especially with them being so close to each other. And Star Wars hasn't had the biggest Comic-Con presence the last couple of years, mainly because of things like Celebration and D23. So if I, unfortunately, if I had to guess, probably nothing from Comic-Con as far as Star Wars is related. Now, once August rolls around, when Star Wars Celebration normally would have been held, that's when I bet you we start getting some stuff. I would think at the very latest we get some sort of season two Mandalorian teaser by August. I would hope so. Yeah, I was hoping it was going to be uh, on the last episode of Disney Gallery, but it wasn't. So That seems like it would have been a perfect place for it. <laughs> for sure. It definitely would have gotten people all hyped and shit if it they had a surprise season two t- teaser. Um, but yeah, I don't think we'll get anything from Comic Con, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get something shortly thereafter. <clears throat> all right, next up we have a email from Steve. Hey guys, with how great and fun the Jedi Temple challenge has been, you are now tasked with creating the trials to promote Jedi Knight to Jedi Master. So, what would each of your Jedi personalities and backstories be? What would your two types of droids be? And what would your three team challenges be? Your competitors will be three teams of two adults that do three challenges together, and the winning team has to compete against each other in a fourth challenge to get the one seat on the council. Hope you can have a lot of fun with us. Thanks for the show each week, Steve. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Will, we got to think of three challenges for two, the three teams of two adult Jedi Masters, and then a final challenge uh, where the two members of the team face off against each other. For a seat on the council. And we also have to come up with our Jedi characters. that We would basically be the hosts, right? Like the Ahmed Bast character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, what, what do you got in mind here? Okay. The three trials would be a test of power, a test of courage, and a test of wisdom. And the final would be trial by combat. And uh, the only way to win is for both of you to surrender. 
Oh. And refuse to fight each other. Oh, you came up with that real quick. Well, so, I was just thinking about it. As soon as I heard it in the in the in the letter, I started putting it together in my mind. Okay. So my three trials would be the first thing is is all the teams are blindfolded. And then they're placed in front of a table covered in fish bowls with goldfish swimming in the bowls. And they have to blindfolded grab a bowl a goldfish out of the bowl with their bare hands. Okay. Second challenge. There's a giant pallet of bricks. Okay. Okay. And they go up and they go, you got to break a brick. And then they go to, to do like a Jedi force move on the brick. And a guy stops him and he goes, nah, man, bottom brick. So they got to break one of the bricks on the bottom. Um, And then the third challenge, uh, one of us, me or you, is going to be on a roof of the Jedi Temple. And they're going to be laying on the ground on their back below the roof. And we drop coconuts on their stomachs. Oh, wow. And they got to like tense up their abs to take the punch. You know what I mean? This is like the 36th chamber of Shaolin. This is like an amalgamation of kickboxer and blood sport is what this is. Oh, is what is that, is that what this is? Uh-huh. And then for the final challenge, once the one team has made it through, what we do is we take them to, since everybody loves this concept and thinks it's the fucking answer to everything, we take them to a portal to the world between worlds. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. That's great. And their mission is... They got to go through the portal to my Guido or my Gito the day Order 66 happens and they have to save Kia D. Mundi. Oh my goodness. That's your final challenge to make it onto the Jedi Council. And world between worlds, they could fight the dark versions of themselves, <laughs> the mirror versions of themselves. What's your. Oh, and. And bonus points if you can go back in time and keep C-3PO from getting his head put onto a battle droid's body. (laughs) That's just a little bonus. Like, that'll get you some extra credit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get to pick your seat at the council circle. Like, you can be like, come on, Plo Koon, get out of that seat. That's mine, brother. Get out, Master Yoda. I want the tiny chair. <laughs> All uncomfortable and shit. All right, what is uh, what is your <clears throat> Jedi backstory? Uh, I am a Jedi master from the a backwater a Jedi pupil from a backwater planet who had to learn to stand up for himself. And what he wanted and ended up saving a race of noble native people for his trial to get on the Jedi Council. Okay, you ready for mine? Yep. My Jedi character's name would be Ankfrey Uxte. That's my character's name. And my character was just a kid on the streets of Coruscant. And one day... He was 
up to no good with a gang of street rats, right? And mm-hmm. they're going by a nice apartment complex of Coruscant, and he looks through the window, and he sees a lightsaber on display. Mm. And his buddies are like, I bet you you won't go in there and steal that lightsaber. So he goes in, and he tries to steal the lightsaber, but he gets caught by the Jedi Master of the house, who then, instead of taking him to the police or, you know, uh, enacting any kind of punishment on him, brings the kid's parents over to the house for dinner, and he says he needs discipline. He needs training. Is this plot to the movie The Karate Kid? No, this is the plot to the movie Bloodsport. And so <laughs> it's always a Van Damme movie. I always say something else. Yeah, I should know now. It's always a Van Damme movie. And so he says, "Your son, he is connected to the Force. He needs training. He needs discipline. Allow me to train him in the Jedi arts." So he does. And then years later, Ank Frey Ook's day gets invited to a Jedi tournament called the Kumite. The Galactic Kumite. The Galactic Kumite. And uh, he fights... uh, In the world between worlds, because that's where the Galactic Kumite is held. Yes, yes. Giant arena. It's the world between worlds. We've got to work that in somehow. That's why we know about it, to use it for the Jedi (laughs) Challenge. And he fights um, Chong Li, Sith Master Chong, Darth Chong Li. Darth Li. They're having their last, they're having their their final battle for the the ultimate winner of the tournament. And Chong Li starts uh, losing. So he reaches into the, the waistband of his Sith pants and he pulls out space powder. That he throws in Ank Frey Ook's day's oh, eyes. Oh no, not spice space powder. Yes, exactly. And then he can't see. So he has to fight the rest of the fight blind. But he wins anyway. And he makes him say Mate. For any of you listeners out there, if you want to know like what Hawes would do for a Star Wars storyline, it would be it's always gonna be a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie incorporated into Star Wars. And nine times out of ten. It's going to be Bloodsport. If they gave me a sequel, then we would just adapt Kickboxer. You could do Hard Target and you can make Boba Fett the bounty hunter hunting down John claude Van Damme. Oh my god. A Star Wars mullet? (laughs) A Jedi punching a snake? A snake? Wilford Brimley? Get him back in Star Wars? Oh. Well... I finally feel confident enough to write a Star Wars movie. <laughs> now we've got it. And you know That's what? I million could, dollar idea. I could get that in the theater by 2022. I promise you I could get that in the theater by 2022. <laughs> I wonder what JCVD is up to. Probably not a whole fucking lot. I don't know. Doing the splits. Let's get him in a Star Wars movie. All right, next up, we got an email. <coughs> from our buddy Ian. Hey there, Blue Harvest. Wanted to ask you both, what was the first toy line you bought a Star Wars figure from and if you remember what it was? And then also, which line you would say got you into collecting? 
My first toy line my brother and I got figures from was the Power of the Force in the mid-90s. Can't exactly remember what our first figures would have either been Ben Kenobi, Darth Vader, or Jedi Luke. The line that got me collecting, though, are the 40th anniversary Black Series editions of the classic Kenner line. Hope you are well. May the Force be with you, Ian. Oh, man. So, it wasn't my first brand new Star Wars figure, but I remember when I was really young, four or five, my dad came home from work one day with a cardboard box full of Star Wars toys. Loose. Oh, wow. Someone he was working with just was getting rid of them. And my dad was like, hey, my kid loves Star Wars, and you can't find that shit anymore. And I remember, like, there was a Ben Kenobi in there with no cape or lightsaber. Didn't matter. There was a Darth Vader. There was a couple of the mini rig, little tiny vehicles. Yeah. Um, no Luke. There was a Lando. No Han. No Leia. A Jawa, an R2, a C3PO, um, some Ewoks. So those were my first Star Wars toys. Mostly missing weapons and stuff. Um, but much like Ian, the first new Star Wars toys I got were the Power of the Force 2 figures from the mid-90s. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw those because I didn't know they were coming. You know, I spent all this time as a kid wanting Star Wars figures, but they were nowhere to be found because by the time I was old enough to want them, Kenner wasn't making them anymore. Right. And my parents and I were at a service merchandise. Do you remember those stores? Yes, I remember service merchandise. Yeah. <clears throat> a service merchandise at the Mall of Memphis. Which in later years became known as the Mall of Murder. Mall of Murder. Um, in the service merchandise, and I was in this toy section, and just on the shelf were those Power of the Force 2 figures. And I couldn't believe it. And I bugged them so hard to get me to let me get one. And my very first Power of the Force 2 figure was fucking way too buff. Luke Skywalker, farm boy Luke from A New Hope. With, I was about to say, that's what, that was mine. Yeah, with the grappling hook and the super long lightsaber at the time. Super long blue lightsaber. <clears throat> yep, buff buff farm boy Luke. That was me. And Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and that was my first figure. It was the only one I had for the longest time, probably till Christmas that year. And that was also, I'd say, the line that I kind of collected. Like, I didn't have a ton of money to myself as a kid at that age, so I wasn't necessarily, like, going out and hunting figures. But I, mm -hmm. you know, those were birthday presents and Christmas presents and stuff. That's how I got mine. I yeah. I didn't really buy my collection. Uh, what I seemed to sink my money into as a youngster, preteen, was the Marvel cards. Uh, I collected Marvel cards. Yeah, dude. Marvel I, masterpieces and shit? Yeah, like just all the Marvel cards, like I collected them. I have all. That's of mine really somewhere. all I can think. I had a handful of Pogs, you know, but th I have no idea where those are. Um, and I had a decent, you know, Power of the Force two, 
Power of the Jedi and whatever the lines continue to I've be. I've still got a handful of those toys. Yeah, I had a lot of them, dude. And a lot of the vehicles, like I had the Falcon and the I TIE Fighter. The Falcon, TIE Fighter, Snowspeeder, and mm-hmm. X-Wing. That's what I had. And I had them all like displayed on a bookshelf in my room. Oh, and nice. then our house burnt down. Right. And my entire Star Wars collection got wiped out. And that killed Star Wars collecting for me for like two decades. I can only imagine, dude. You know, I'm not saying I wouldn't get Star Wars stuff. I obviously got a lot of Phantom Menace stuff. I got stuff for both Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, but hardly what you would call collecting. Just going out and get a couple things here and there. Um, And I didn't get back into collecting Star Wars until the Black Series came out. That was sort of my re-entry into Star Wars collecting. And it's... uh, it's I've I I've managed that habit well. I'd I definitely I definitely haven't gone overboard. No, sir, not me. Well, I mean, you've gotten rid of some stuff when you had too many, didn't you? Uh, I've talked about it. <laughs> I've had the intent to. I'm definitely going to thin out the Black Series collection at some point. It just became so much to keep up with, and then. I discovered hot toys and how much I like those and but I do still occasionally get a black series. I'm I'm thankfully not uh, a completionist like I used to be with them. Now it's mainly like, oh, they're doing a new Mando figure or a new Boba Fett figure. So I'm not going super crazy with them anymore, but right. The collection definitely needs to be thinned out. <clears throat> All right. We got one more email and then we'll call it a night. This is from our buddy, Billy. Hi, Halls and Will. This is my first time writing to you guys, but I had to because I listened to your Blue Harvest Adventures episodes on the Patreon feed, and it gave me the inspiration to get a group of friends together to do my own Star Wars adventure. We have been using Robbo's script. He was nice enough to help me out with some resources, and we have been having an absolute blast. It's everybody's first time doing an RPG, but they've been learning pretty quickly. The players just met Jolie on their mission, and Robbo's incredible script had everyone on the edge of their seat. Thanks for introducing me to the game, because I don't think I'd ever taken the leap to DMing if I hadn't heard your pod. Now I just need to find a D&D game to join as a player, and my nerdery will know no bounds. <laughs> Anyways, on that note... What die code? Oh, Will, this is fucking perfect. This is you. I'm pushing mm-hmm. this off to you. Ready, buddy? Right. What die code would be assigned to each of the following characters for their skill? Darth Vader's lightsaber skill. Jar Jar's acrobatic accidental attack skill. Watto's bargaining skill. Padme's disguise skill. Anakin's youngling killing skill. Each successful youngling killed in the same turn reduces the dice code by one. Thanks for, thanks so much for putting out an excellent show each week, and may the force be with you. Well, that one's kind of dark. <laughs> so I'll say this. We also got to think in the confines of what system, right? Because like, Yeah, because if you're doing the West End, it's all dice sixes. Right. So that's, I think we should stick with that because that's what we've been doing in Blue Harvest Adventure. Okay. But I'll say Jarjo's acrobatic uh, accidental attack skill 
to me, that's the dude in your friend group that's playing an RPG with you, be it Star Wars or D&D or whatever, who is like, I want to do this crazy thing. And you're like, do a, I do a somersault off the high dive and I stab him right in the right eye. And you're and like, DM's like, all right, if you're you going to have 20, you do it. And then he rolls a 20 and you're like, oh my God, he did it. And then you're like, what do you want to do next? I want to flip upside down, fart in his face, and that makes him pass out. All right, well, you're going to have to roll a 20. And then he rolls a 20. You know what I mean? That's what that reminds me of. That's exactly what it reminds me of, too. That's spot on. So what's Darth Vader? What's the the die code that you would give Darth Vader's lightsaber skill? Darth Vader's lightsaber skill, to me, I mean, is good. But I'm not going to max it out because I feel like maybe it was better when he was Anakin. Like, we can go all day with this argument. Me and Goose could. But uh, probably three die six. Okay. Yeah. Maybe four die six. I don't know. I mean, just from what you see on the fucking movies, it's kind of hard to argue that he's not better with a lightsaber than when he's Anakin. The suit and the prosthetics really hamper his what I'm physical abilities, I feel. Not that he's not dangerous. And not that he's not a fucking force to be reckoned with. But, I, yeah. He's definitely more acrobatic and flashy as Anakin. All right, what about Watto's bargaining skill? That's, uh... It's pretty good. Three or four die six. Almost uh, as good as Vader's lightsaber skill. Padme's disguise skill. That is uh, one die six. Because it's obvious that she was Padme. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Um... Anakin's youngling killing skill. Oh, that's like a six die six. Yeah, because he seemingly had no issue. None. None. He did the flip in Palpatine's office and was like, oh, I'm I'm a psychotic murderer now. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm on the dark side. I'm going to mo- go murder some children. Well, I guess if I'm going to hell, I might as well <laughs> take advantage like, of it. Fucking highway to hell. Fire this bitch up. Master Skywalker, what do we do? Die. Die. <coughs> Alrighty. Well, that does it for us this week. Thanks so much for recording with me, buddy. Thank you for recording with me. Thanks to all you guys for writing in. We had some fun questions this week, I feel like. I think um, so, too. Anyways, uh, if you haven't already... Uh, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. Thanks to you guys, we passed the 200 review mark, and now we're on the road to 300. Maybe we could hit 300 reviews by our 300th episode. Oh, that would be cool. That'd be pretty rad. Um, And if you enjoy our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes spotify and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com until next week this has been blue harvest and i'm halls burkhart and i'm will witten may the force be with you may the force be with all of you may the force be with us <laughs>